With spring right around the corner, maybe you like me, you're excited to get out for longer walks and runs, pick up a new book to read outside, or just get out and explore new neighborhoods and food. Or we could do all three wrapped in one. Our friends over at Read and Run Chicago are expanding to nearby Lamont for three different meetups. The group is like a combination running club, book club, and neighborhood tour, and each route in Lamont is about three miles paired with a different book from Pat Camaliere's Corotazi Historical Mystery Series. Afterwards, you'll get to sit down with the author and historian and sample some food from local restaurants. The first run is Saturday, March 23rd. Spots are limited and are going to go fast. So register now at readandrunchicago.com or find the link on their Instagram at readandrunchicago. Today on CityCast Chicago. Mixed signals on the future of ShotSpotter, renaming Chicagoland Birds, and we got some great Thanksgiving takeout deals for you. Joining me is executive producer Simone Alisea. It's Tuesday, November 14th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Morning, Simone. Good morning, Jacoby. How are you? I'm doing good. I just saw the new uh, or the latest Picasso exhibit at the Art Institute yesterday. And so, oh. you know, real fancy. I'm getting into my indoor vibes, right? As that, as that weather is dropping. And so that was my start back. My, I think my first trip to the Art Institute since at least maybe the maybe the spring or something. Love it. Love that. Sounds really fun. I'll have to check that out. We've got a few cool things to talk about today, but one kind of starts on a bit of a confusing note, right? City Council is set to vote on the budget tomorrow, and it includes some money, apparently, for the controversial gunshot detection technology, ShotSpotter, a.k.a. Sound Thinking. Uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson outwardly campaigned on ending the city's contract with the company that makes ShotSpotter. Uh, Simone, are there mixed signals going on here? Uh, Well, yes and no, right? I think... Uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson was so vocal on the campaign trail about wanting to end this contract with ShotSpotter. But the fact of the matter is, is there is a contract and it runs through February 2024 um, and the city is still in it. You know, the the uh, pe- folks may remember um, earlier this summer that there was a $10.2 million payment uh, for that contract extension that was passed under former Mayor Lori Lightfoot in late 2022. Um, but I think kind of what makes the signals feel more mixed is that sound thinking, which is uh, what the company uh, rebranded to the company that makes shots. Um, CEO Ralph Clark was on an earnings call recently and sort of was up talking the fact that ShotSpotter was still in the 2024 budget, um, saying like this is a good sign that we're going to be staying in this market. Uh, Clark also, uh, you know, has spoken highly of uh, the new police superintendent, Larry Snelling, who is very, very gung ho on technology as sort of saying that this is going to be sort of the biggest thing to help Chicago mm-hmm. police solve crime. You know, although Snelling himself has sort of deferred the question on ShotSpotter specifically, that particular technology, um, because there is sort of so much controversy around it. And there has been such a big push from the activist community and from other advocates to uh, get rid of that technology um, that Chicago police use. Yeah, shout out to Jim Daly from Southside Weekly for 
bringing this up. I think this is one of the things Aaron was sort of hinting at in our conversation on Friday is usually around this time, budget dominates the conversations, but we haven't been focusing on the budget quite as much, especially with other things going on around the city. And this is one of those things that feels like it snuck past a lot of people. Um, you know, maybe that's because the the name change of the company, the way it's actually said in the budget doesn't say shot spotter or doesn't say sound thinking. Yeah, it's not like there's a line item for 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 that, right? It's the police spend money on something called software maintenance and licensing. Um, they're spending eight point nine uh, million dollars on that in 2024. It's expected, um, and ShotSpotter is one of those things. There's like sort of three sort of related but sort of separate problems that have been found with ShotSpotter over the past few years. One is just sort of the efficacy. You know, is it leading to arrests? Is it leading to more guns off the street? And the answer to that has been found to be no. The Office of Inspector General released a report, a really scathing report that said that's not that's not what's happening here. Um, a second question is, you know, is the technology actually so basically it's a bunch of microphones, right, that are out in neighborhoods and it's supposed to that's supposed to particularly pick up on gunshots. But I think what you were getting to is people have pushed back and said, well, around construction sites, for example, it's picking up jackhammers. It's picking up uh, manufacturing trucks moving through neighborhoods, neighborhoods that are largely, particularly in Chicago, black and brown neighborhoods. When you talk about the concentration of shot spots. Right. So is the technology itself actually doing what it says it does? The company says, yes, we stand by our numbers. We stand by this and that. There were also questions um, about like whether those numbers, whether um, some of the reports that were coming out of ShotSpotter were changed after the fact, right? It's supposed to kind of be an automatic thing. Um, you know, again, sound thinking officials have denied and disputed that that's what was going on. But but there is some reporting to suggest that that there are questions around that. And then the third thing, as you alluded to, is the combination of these first two things. Does that then contribute to over-policing uh, mm -hmm. of neighborhoods that are already over-policed? And does that contribute to, um, you know, patterns of discrimination that it has already been found that the Chicago police, you know, uh, participate in? When we talk to organizers, they say it's not just, like you said, right, police officers who already have a larger presence in primarily black neighborhoods, but the idea that they're responding to an active gunshot or an active right, shooting exactly. sends them to those areas even more charged than before. And so you see in, in those type of communities a rise in stops. And again, I was at some of those Brandon Johnson covering some of those Brandon Johnson campaign rallies, and he with no hesitation said, we will end ShotSpotter. Then he got elected and said, the money for ShotSpotter may be better used somewhere else. And now they're asking, he's saying, the contract is up in February. We'll look at it in February. Simone, is this just sort of, you know, sort of, you know, keeping his political cards close to his chest? I mean, OK, right. We I think there's two ways of looking at this. You have a contract in place that is a binding contract. Mm -hmm. And so, like, on some level, there's only so much you can say before the contract is officially up. Right. Uh, and you got to get this budget through. And February is very soon. Um, you know, we yeah. at CityCast Chicago are already talking about some episodes that we might be producing in February 2024. <laughs> so presumably there are conversations that are happening behind the scenes that we are not privy to. Um, the other thing I, I'll say, too, is Johnson is not afraid of making big 
moves. I would say look Mm. to the firing of a former public health commissioner, Alison Arwitty. Like that was something he said on the campaign trail. He had very strong opinions about the city's, um, you know, public mental health infrastructure. And that was a big part of it. And, um, you know, she was gone. I will say sound thinking has a history of suing for defamation. And so I could also understand, you know, not wanting to get into a legal battle with them. But but on some respect, it does feel like uh, the the difference in rhetoric, not just being sort of campaigning and Merrill, it just I don't know. It seems suspect to me, given how up in arms people were with that 10 million dollar uh, renewal got signed. And then the the reason for that was sort of I didn't know it was automatic. It just sort of went through. You would think the next time the company is brought up that there is maybe a little bit more transparency or at least a, a, a stronger response. The we'll come back to it in February. I, I don't know who, who who is that like who. And at that point, who are you campaigning towards? It, it just seems classic politician. Well, and when talking about it publicly, it's 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 worth noting and talking about it publicly. And to your point, like. You know, there's only so much you can say ahead of the fact uh, before you start getting into like very murky territory. So I think I I think we just kind of won't know um, and we'll see what happens uh, come February. The City of Chicago Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection offers a free entrepreneur certificate program for future and current business owners in Chicago. Participants must complete six webinars within six months in designated webinar categories. Graduates are eligible to apply for the CIBC Bank USA Entrepreneur Loan Program, a bank partner with BACP. The longstanding program was created to support startup or early stage small businesses, gain entrepreneur training with important working capital. Since the program launched, more than 1,000 Chicago entrepreneurs and business owners have successfully completed the program. Completing the process is as easy as one, two, three. Number one, register by signing up at chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. Number two, attend six webinars by registering for upcoming webinars at chicago.gov slash BACP webinars. And number three, graduate from the program and you'll receive your digital certificate and information on connecting with CIBC Bank USA. To learn more about the BACP Entrepreneur Certificate Program, please visit chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. Chicago birders or the bird watching community may soon be calling some species by new names after the American Ornithological Society announced that it will start renaming birds that are essentially named after people. Uh, This has been going on for the last few months. The Chicago Audubon Society is now known as the Chicago Bird Alliance. Simone, why now? Why is the bird community going through this sort of prince to assemble type moment? This has been an ongoing conversation for a few years in the birding community. Um, I think for a lot of the same reasons we have been talking about things um, like monuments, for example, uh, you know, essentially people are trying to reconcile uh, the past of some of the 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 titans of birding um, and their past actions. So Autobahn is probably the biggest example 
um, Audubon named for James Audubon, who's sort of the the father of American birding, right? Like it's just this is like the dude, right? Uh, who turns out um, had a history of buying and selling slaves, plagiarism in his career, and maybe not the best guy that we want to be naming our um, our things after. And so there's this sort of question too. There are a lot of these birds that are named, you know, just for the people who discovered them or who wrote about them. And there are questions about like, well, how good mm-hmm. were and mostly men, mostly white men, right? Uh, you know, what is going on in their past? So partly it's sort of a, I would say like a political thing, I guess. But there's also sort of this idea that like there are lots of birds that are named for people that like aren't related to each other, so, like like biologically or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're like related species. Mm-hmm. They're just named for the same person. And so there's also this. Just the same person founded multiple birds or named multiple birds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so like, there's this question of like, why is this the way that we're categorizing birds? Like, is there a more efficient, effective, useful way of doing this um, that also then doesn't contribute to sort of these like problematic histories that we're like, are we elevating them in a way that we don't want to be doing? Interestingly enough, as somebody who is not into birding, from the example you gave earlier, I feel very prepared for this conversation. We've been renaming Lakeshore Drive got renamed to DuSable Lakeshore Drive, right? Douglas Park became Douglas Park. Uh, we're talking about renaming monuments, renaming streets. I am, but now we're at the point where we're renaming animals. It's an interesting next step in this sort of let's look back in the history books. What are some decisions we made? And all right, where we can start is just like the names we've given to things. Um, I didn't expect it to expand into uh, t- to the animal kingdom, but here we are. Again, I actually think this is an easier decision than renaming streets or renaming like and getting rid of mm. statues. To be honest, I actually really do. You don't think again, the people, you don't think Cooper's hawks, uh, or the the Cooper, the Cooper family behind the Cooper hawk isn't going to come out and be like, "Hey, what do you mean we can't just be a, a place that gives wine subscriptions?" For, I don't know what that. I, I that means nothing to me. Cooper's uh, Hawk. It's a it's a restaurant that offers like a wine subscription, which my mom is a part of. So anytime she goes to Cooper's Hawk with my sister or my aunt, they give her like two extra bottles to take back home. And so yeah, I had no idea. I, I, I guess where I come from is more like if I'm someone who's trying who uh, you know a, a, a citizen scientist or whoever who's trying to get into birding and I'm trying to learn these names and I'm trying to like you know keep track in my book like. I would rather have the names make sense to what they actually are, to what is actually being observed and described. To me, that's just like a, a more effective and efficient way of like naming things. The The Ornithological Society uh, says that they're going to sort of start this process in 2024. We're not sure which birds are going to be renamed yet, but there are three that in the Chicagoland area that birders might be familiar with that maybe will be part of this um renaming effort and i thought it would be fun if we looked at pictures of these birds and we tried to come up with a name (laughs) and the one i want to start with is the one that you mentioned which is cooper's hawk it's a bird of prey it's a hawk that is pretty commonly found near chicago Mm -hmm. uh it's uh it's one of the smaller hawks it's got kind of gray and black uh plumage at the back and like a, a white uh plumage in the front with like brown spots and these amber eyes and like a black tipped beak. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, how would you how would you maybe approach naming this bird? So I was on allaboutbirds.org reading about the Cooper's hawk, and it says that it 
kills its prey by capturing a bird with its feet and repeatedly squeezing. So like ah! falcons typically kill by biting, but the hawk keeps it away from its body and just sort of squeezes it out. And so I was thinking about the squeeze hawk. Oh, or like a constrictor hawk or something like yes. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, my first was suffocate hawk, but then I was just like, that seems <laughs> that's, a little that's bit too brittle. much. <laughs> that seems like the opposite of what we're trying to do here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was really into the hawk also has a lot of them have like these amber colored eyes, mm-hmm. um, at least in the pictures that we're looking at here. And so like I like amber, I could really get behind amber eyed hawk as a thing. Uh, birders might be in our or mentions right now saying why that would be a bad name. But I just feel like that is a, again, it describes, it describes what we're looking at here. Uh, the next one I want to take a look at, which is uh, Wilson's warbler. And this is a bird um, that migrates through, uh, through Illinois. So you're probably not going to see it as often. Um, this is a, it's a teeny tiny little songbird. He's very cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very small warbler um, who is like bright yellow with like a yellow green in the back and this like black cap uh, on its head. Uh, what do you, I don't know. What do you think, Jacoby? I don't know. I was looking at the pictures and it looks like the adult male birds have the black uh, spot on the hat. So my first thought was the toupee warbler <laughs> <laughs> or the wig warbler. Ooh, wig warbler. Uh, wig I get behind warbler. that. I, I was going to say, I was like, ooh, I might have talked myself into one. But they kind of look like the peeps. You know, those like marshmallow oh, treats do. that you they eat They do look like Easter. marshmallow peeps. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're so right. And so I was thinking about maybe the peeping warbler, the peeps warbler, something like that, or the marshmallow warbler, some, something in that sort the of The marshmallow warbler. <laughs> okay, all of your names are so much better than what I was thinking of uh, <laughs> because I was looking at the description and they like – they are often in thickets. And I was like, oh, the thicket warbler, mm-hmm. I think could be kind of cute. Um, oh, I like that. Okay. So the last one is Henslow Sparrow. Now this is uh, a bird um, whose population is declining and it breeds in um, parts of the Midwest, including Illinois. Um, and it is actually very difficult to spot. It doesn't really sing. Uh, It also hangs out in weedy grasslands, which you can tell because it's kind of this like tan bird with like black stripes and spots. So you could see how it would like blend in uh, in the grass and tall grass really easily. Um, But Jacoby, for this sparrow, what would you name this sparrow? So my first thought based on the colors, the spots was the chipmunk sparrow. Because for oh some god, reason, it, like it looks chipmunk. like a little chipmunk. It does look like a chipmunk. Oh my god, that's so... Your excitement throughout this is making me so happy, G. I will also say another um, kind of cute thing that happens that you can see, it's like when the when the bird um, kind of ruffles its plumage, like on its uh, on its chest and on its head, it, and it mm-hmm. like often has like a black stripe. It looks like a little black mohawk. So I could also go with like... I'm sure mohawk is derived from a bird anyway, so maybe this is redundant. But I feel like, you know, black mohawk sparrow, I think, could be kind of cute. Um, and I think belies how small the bird is, too, which I think is mm-hmm. always fun when a bird. It look, it, it kind of looks a little bit like maybe not the outside, but maybe the under belly of like a leopard or a jaguar. Mm-hmm. Something about so just like, like a, that spotted. 
Yeah, yeah, like a leopard sparrow. That would be kind of silly. That would be a very silly name for this bird. <laughs> We're going to post links to the birds we mentioned here. Let us know if you've got better names for them. You can shoot us a text at 773-780-0246. And uh, also just let me know if you see any cool birds, because apparently I'm into that. So, yeah. Before we get up out of here, we are at that time. We are a little over a week away from Thanksgiving. Uh, Now is the time to make those reservations or put your orders in, Um, especially if you're trying to make dishes from a Chicago restaurant. You know, part of that new Thanksgiving tradition. Luckily, we've got a whole guide to Thanksgiving specials at our website, chicago.citycast.fm. Shout out to our newsletter editor, Sydney Madden. Hey, one that definitely stood out to me from this list uh, was a throwback to an episode we did a long time ago when we visited Wake and Bacon, uh, the CBD infused restaurant over in Lakeview. And they're going to have like brunch specials. Um, you know, anything from berry crepes, spiced maple chicken and waffles, and including some mocktails. And so, you know, I love me a good infused dish or two. Uh, and our first trip to Wake and Bacon was nice. I haven't been able to get back up there, uh, but that's one I, I, I really thought was cool. I will say uh, one um, uh, recommendation on here that I'm really glad we have is uh, Soul Veg City in Chatham. Um, just because I know there are a lot of plant-based eaters out there. Uh, now, granted, I don't know if I am brave enough to put a plant-based, a vegan duck on um, my Thanksgiving table, personally. (laughs) No, my family ain't going. (laughs) But Soul Veg City does really great work. So like those candied yams. Yeah, I'm definitely going for those. Like kale greens. I'm sure those are going to be great. uh, And their cornbread as well. Um, I will also say I am uh, very much looking at, I don't know why, this like Brussels sprout casserole from Split Rail in Ukrainian Village just Mm. sounds really good. I don't know. I'm here for the sides, clearly. Like that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I really want in my in my uh in my thanksgiving we also after we published that uh one of our readers richard wrote in with even more recommendations for specials uh sugar moon bakery in logan square is taking uh pre-orders mindy's bakery in wicker park uh also uh funeral potatoes is doing thanksgiving delivery that's sort of a that's mm-hmm. a delivery only uh business anyway but but they that menu that menu looks really good uh there's a gouda mac and cheese and Mm. Uh, and then uh, Duck Inn in Bridgeport as well is doing uh, thanks traditional Thanksgiving dinner for pickup or delivery. That is a that's if you're really trying to impress somebody. Hey, another one that's a good option. And I got this from our friends over at Eater Chicago who will put together put together their own map for places you can dine in or order from Lexington Betty Smokehouse. Mm, uh, we stopped by yes. that with Ariane. Uh, Nettles, when we did our Pullman Roseland neighborhood guide, they're offering a 12 to 15 pound whole smoked turkey with gravy, candy, yams, turkey, gizzard, dressing, and Gouda mac and cheese. Uh, but, you know, you gotta order by Thursday, November 16th. You can place it online and you can pick it up next Wednesday out in Pullman. Uh, that's definitely a good one. A smoked turkey, that is like a, that is worth putting it in order mm-hmm. and not doing it yourself because it is number one yeah. it is so hard to smoke a turkey but it's so good and it makes a mm-hmm. huge difference also you know that they're going to do a good job because that's that's what they do we doing a couple of jerk turkeys over at my mom's house she's been jerking the turkeys over the last couple of years and i think this is going to be the first year where we have more jerk turkey than we have just straight up uh classic right. turkey and so we, we've been moving towards some some different kind of turkeys over at, at our thanksgiving so i think soon enough 
I don't know if it's going to be my mom on her smoker or my boy Darius on his. But soon enough, somebody in my circle is going to smoke a whole turkey for 12 hours. And I it's will hard. be there the day that it gets uh, the day that it gets carved. I will be Jerk turkey building. sounds good. I'd be there. Jacoby, I know you're preparing a Friendsgiving too for a bunch of people. What's the, the thing you're most looking forward to cooking? Cornish hens. Cornish, Cornish hens and dressing. You're doing Cornish hens? Yes. I love a mini Cornish hen because it feels like you, you got so your own extra. little. You are so extra. <laughs> it's like you got your own little baby turkey in front of you. Gee, it just I think that's so cool. So, yeah, we're just going to be handing out Cornish hens in this joint. I want to give a huge thank you to our executive producer, Simone Alisea. Uh, these Tuesdays mean a lot to me, G. Thanks, Jacoby. Before we let you go, Mayor Brandon Johnson has named Dr. Olusimbo Ige as the next commissioner of the Public Health Department. We'll be breaking down this decision Friday morning on the podcast, so make sure you join us. Of course, I'm not going to let you go without some good news. Art on the Mart season of lights will begin Thursday at 7.30. If you're not familiar with Art on the Mart, it's a 30-story art projection across the entire facade of the merchandise Martin the Loop. Their current pieces, Only in the Dark and Geometry of Thought, are amazing, and they end tomorrow night. As always, we appreciate you for reading and listening. We're back early tomorrow morning. We'll talk to you then. Peace. I believe it's jaguars that will mimic the sounds of screaming children and to get people into the jungle so that they can attack it. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, that was the creepiest, coolest fact I could have possibly heard today. What? <laughs> oh my, imagine you just like, I'm going to save this helpless kid and that jaguar is like, Gotcha, bitch. I believe gotcha. it's jaguars. Don't quote me on it. It's a cat. It's one of the cat. One of the jungle cats. Um, that's we're a gonna post- crazy. That's <laughs> crazy cool evolutionary track. <laughs>